there is perhaps no part of the Constitution uh, that's more often cited as uh, the supposed evidence of its uh, racial undertones than the three-fifths compromise. Uh, this is often phrased as saying something like, uh, you know, the founders only viewed blacks as three-fifths of a person. Or, you know, maligning the entire Constitution. Well, the Constitution was a white supremacy document. It uh, implied that whites were superior to blacks because it only counted blacks as three-fifths of a person. And right on the get-go, it's very important to correct this because both of those statements are factually inaccurate. And what makes them factually inaccurate is that it, the Constitution and the Three-Fifths Compromise did not treat whites and blacks separately. It treated free persons separately for the purposes of proportional representation than it did enslaved persons. Uh, and you might notice from the way I just said that using the words persons, which is the diction most often used in some form in the Constitution, that allows for that ambiguity because it it does not provide the dignity to slavery. Uh, in fact, it didn't even use the words people enslaved or slaves or, or and there's certainly no mention of black and white. So it is utterly absurd at the get-go. Uh, you know, just at the very onset to imply that it treated whites and, whites and blacks separately because a free black man was treated as a whole person. A free white man was counted as a whole person. So there is no racial element uh, to this clause at all. So with that kind of early uh, clarification made, what was a three-fifths compromise, and how did it uh, affect kind of the politics going forward? Uh, and the short answer is it uh, it damaged the political power of the slave states. It was yet another disincentive to the importation of slaves and to the expansion of slavery. And it was an incentive uh, for emancipation uh, and free immigration. So how does that work exactly? Well, if you have a slave, you have your that slave counts as three fifths of a person for the purposes of proportional representation. It was not a reflection of their worth as human being. That's also another kind of silly thing that's bantied about and usually said very loudly, uh, an attempt to kind of give it a, a kind of a false gravitas of of authority. Uh, so that same slave, if emancipated or manumitted or what have you, now that state just gained additional political power. It rewarded freedom, and it rewarded the elimination of slavery with additional political power. Uh, since free persons were treated, uh, or counted, excuse me, counted higher as uh, the purposes of representation, the greater the number of free persons you had, the greater your political power. Since slaves were counted only as three-fifths, you did not get that same type of political power by focusing just on the expansion of slavery. And there is an additional uh, kind of measure that kicked in as well, and that came in uh, to, at that time, uh, states were, were required to provide tax revenue to the 
newly formed federal government, and that number was predicated on the population. So what the three-fifth compromise does is it provides enough, it will actually really forces southern slave states to acknowledge that their slaves are property. It gives them a incomplete incentive for political power as a, we'll say, as an incentive for slavery. But it gives them a complete financial disincentive because now for every slave that you choose to own, you only get three-fifths of the political power, but you still owe the full amount as if he were they were counting uh, free citizens. So it really establishes kind of this punish-reward system where every slave is actually a punishment to the overall political power uh, and influence and wealth of a state because they're taxed fully like a free citizen, but you don't get the same amount of political power. So to, uh, to return just briefly kind of on the, uh, the idea that the three-fifths compromise uh, was a kind of a white supremacist, uh, you know, you, you, what have you. The other part uh, that would have to accept as a basic fundamental idea that those states who had largely, either through manumission, gradual emancipation, you name it, uh, had either eliminated or while in the process of completely eliminating slavery from their states, you would have to accept that those were the people who were most pro-slavery and racist, and that the southern states that actively practiced slavery and expanded slavery and argued for slavery and threatened uh, threatened not to ratify the Constitution based on slavery, that somehow those people, those were the ones that were actually uh, righteous because they wanted slaves counted as full persons. The three-fifths compromise emerged because as a, as a weakening to the slave states, they wanted black, or, uh, uh, black slaves. Well, let's be honest, they were black slaves. Uh, some of them are Indian. They wanted them counted as full persons because then they would gain full political power through them in the House uh, because of proportional representation. By reducing their political representation to only three-fifths, it was the, uh, the northern states, the anti-slavery delegates, that hampered the expansion of the slave power. Uh, <clears throat> so if you combine this uh, with the ad- additional kind of penalty, that $10 tax per imported slave, you are losing financially in two areas now. You have the additional tax you have to pay per slave imported, and then you have additional taxes owed to the federal government. And you only get three-fifths of that uh, representative power. So compare that to free immigration or even just freeing uh, enslaved populations. Um, If it's a free immigrant, you don't have a $10 tariff to pay. Uh, You get full uh, political representation, and you're still uh, liable for just the same amount of uh, taxation to the uh, federal authority. With those kind of uh, elements explored, there is nothing that can be pointed to in the three-fifths compromise or its execution that can effectively argue that it was anything pro-slavery or anything even predicated on white supremacy at the time. 
And as is his, uh, his habit, of course, uh, the uh, great Frederick Douglass uh, elucidates on this well. Uh, he, he writes, and I quote, But giving the provisions the very worst constructions, what does it amount to? I answer, it is a downright disability laid upon the slaveholding states, one which deprives those states of two-fifths of their natural basis of representation. A black man in a free state is worth just two-fifths more than a black man in a slave state as a basis of political power under the Constitution. Therefore, instead of encouraging slavery, the Constitution encourages freedom by giving an increase of two-fifths political power to the free over the slave states. And he even kind of dismisses this outright. He says, so much for the three-fifths clause. Taken at its worst, it still leans to freedom, not slavery. For, be it remembered that the Constitution nowhere forbids a colored man to vote. And this is also uh, very true. Um, in Pennsylvania, for example, uh, black men were allowed to vote. It was not a, it was the whole idea that uh, blacks were uh, restricted from voting. That really didn't take uh, take root uh, until uh, the Democratic Party was defeated in civil war, uh, and it continued then to not allow blacks to vote through uh, their segregation Jim Crow laws. And at this time, of course, obviously, slave state or the slave states didn't allow their slaves to vote, which was even greater incentive uh, that allowed for uh, these this great kind of. Uh, what uh, kind of this ruling elite class of plantation owners uh, gained political power, but without the threat of being overthrown for despotism. Uh, so pretty much the, the worst setup possible there. So Douglas acknowledges all this kind of the synergy going on with the three-fifths compromise. Uh, it worked uh, along, along with the slave trade clause, to kind of create a a one-two uh, disincentive for uh, slavery, but it also provided rewards to states uh, for the expansion of freedom and for the destruction of slavery. As Douglas puts it so well, of course, uh, if you have a slave in a southern state, you have three-fifths of the political power represented. You free that slave you just were rewarded with two-fifths additional political power per slave. And, of course, this system uh, also worked alongside uh, the next of the three slave clauses of the Constitution, uh, the Fugitive Slave Act, which, like the last two, uh, its name belies its actual application, and like... Uh, the three-fifths compromise and like the slave trade clause actually offered a boon to the uh, non-slave practicing states. Mm -hmm.